Hello and welcome to another episode of the Word of Mouth podcast. My name is Michael Horn. I'm the host of this podcast. I have a wonderful guest today. His name is Len, and I'm going to let him introduce himself in just a little bit because I don't want to botch his last name. It's a wonderful, wonderful name, but I don't want to mess it up. So uh, Len is with us today. Len is... uh, a wonderful person. He's 48 years old, but don't let that age fool you. He is very young and youthful <laughs> in spirit, and I am glad that he is with us. I just want to remind our listeners real quick before we begin today, just that if you'd like to catch all the episodes of the Word of Mouth podcast, make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, or other podcast apps that you can find, and just make sure that you search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis first, and then you can find us there under the Word of Mouth podcast. And once you've subscribed to us, make sure that you rate the podcast and share us with all your friends. So like I said, my name is Michael Horn, and I am here again and honored and thrilled to be with Len. Len, if you could say your last name and introduce yourself to our audience, that would be awesome. <laughs> yes, my last name is Ratajic, and my first name is Leonard, so Leonard Ratajic. And yeah, thank you, Michael. And yeah, originally from Illinois, on the yeah. Illinois side. And I grew up in a very small farming community called Scheller, Illinois. And a great Polish Catholic community. I have a sister, Renee, and my brother, Tim. And we grew up there, went to St. Barbara Catholic Church out in Scheller, Illinois, and a great Polish community. My mom and dad were not extremely Catholic. <laughs> they kind of compromised and didn't go to church. My dad was not very engaged on it, and my mom was Baptist, so they kind of agreed just not to go. My grandparents actually played a big part in my faith life. They took us to church every Sunday, all three of us kids, and really got us through the essentials there of First Communion, Confirmation, those important sacraments when we're growing up. But as I got older into my high school years, my grandparents were in their 80s. They kind of lost their energy, and I was a typical teenager, really wasn't interested. So I kind of fell away from the faith quite a bit there. But I do have some great memories from that early time in my community there. One was Pope John Paul coming Pope. That was a huge event in our Polish Catholic community there. I remember that very distinctly. But I continued on uh, into high school, and I actually ended up joining the military when I was 19 years old. And I got to travel around a lot of great places. You know, at four months after joining the Air Force, I was in Howard Air Force Base, Panama, a whole other country. So that was quite a shock for somebody from Scheller, Illinois. But we got to go to a lot of other places, Germany, England, Turkey, just to name a few. At this point in my faith life, I was really not involved at all. I had fallen away totally, wasn't going to church, wasn't even asking questions. But people often referenced or would tell me, you seem like the luckiest person around. Good things just kind of seemed to happen. I started to take it for granted. But I kind of acknowledge I always did have kind of this spirit or this force kind of helping mm-hmm. and guiding me through. And I really took it for granted. I felt like a signs all the time. There were signposts in my life. So as I got through my military career into my 20s, you know, I continued to look for those signs. I remember one time in particular, I was in England, and how God, you know, one of these signs just kind of saved me from making a big mistake was I actually declined to get out of the Air Force. You know, I was going to get out after eight years. And I had signed the paperwork and everything like that. I was just kind of in a little bitter moment and then signed the paperwork, everything like that. I was going to get out. And then two months later, I changed my mind. I was like, ah, oh, should I really have done that? And then I ended up, they called me in and they said, you know, you haven't re-enlisted yet. You know, why haven't you re-enlisted? Well, I did this declination statement and everything. They said, I went and seen the same people I signed it with, and they had no record of it, you know? Mm. So I it just little signs like that. And then when I left that base, I actually, they give you a whole book of paperwork to process out, and that declination statement was right on top. It was there all <laughs> along. But, you know, just signs like that I would often get. 
And relationships too, one of the most important relationships I had early on was where I got overall signs that it wasn't the right thing. Mm -hmm. And when I ignored those signs and pressed ahead with my own interest, I felt like this force would kind of weigh in and blow the whole things up. And that's what happened with a couple of relationships. Went through some really suffering times just because I didn't listen to those signs, mm -hmm. you know. And once again, I was really kind of disconnected from the, my faith. But after that last relationship breakup, I was about 28 at that time, I started to get into my faith. I went back to church because I recognized there was something. But when I went back to church, I just didn't know what to do. I'm okay, I'm back. Now what? And I kind of lingered around for about, you know, a year that way and then fell away again. But uh, one of the blessings, uh, I later met my wife, who I'm married to today, Tammy, and we've been married almost 20 years next year, and met her, and we fast forward, everything felt right, great signs, obvious that we had been brought together, there was no, you know, I could go on and on about that, but uh, we got married quickly, and we went off to Germany, and right away, we were not in our faith at all, we had some tough times, and she really got us through it, but in a military environment, there's a culture of divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, people are going through difficult times. You're away from your families, deployments, all kinds of obligations. And Tammy really carried the relationship there and got us through to our next assignment, which was uh, in Washington State, Vancouver, Washington. Mm -hmm. And she got us there, and it was like a little Bible belt in Washington State there. Mm -hmm. And she's talking to her friends and everything. We had our son, Ian, who really kind of brought me back to our faith. Even had him baptized back in my old church, St. Barbara, and I wasn't going to church even, but I knew I had to get him baptized. But I wish somebody would have kind of questioned me about that, you know, to make me really ask those questions why. But a lot of friends in Vancouver, Washington there got us involved in our faith, started asking questions. We were exploring different churches. I really wasn't sure if it was Catholic or not. And then Pope John Paul II died, and I'd just seen his funeral mass, everything like that just brought me back to those good memories I had in St. Barbara Church, you know, that when he became Pope, it hadn't been 20-some years now that I'd been away, so I said, I'm Catholic. I'm going back. And uh, Sacred Heart Church was right around the corner. It was only two miles from my house, and I went there. A gentleman named Bob, who I still keep in contact today, got me signed up, and I don't think I've missed a Sunday since. You know, mm -hmm. I just went back. The faith life has grown since, and it's been some work after there, we left Washington State, and we went to a couple places, Azores Islands, Turkey, for two or three years. And my faith life continued to grow, Eucharistic minister, lector, started doing those things. But it really accelerated when we came back to O'Fallon, Illinois, where we live now. I had been on a few deployments, and I was signed up for another one to Afghanistan. And my son was 10 years old at this time, and I had my daughter, Sophie, been in O'Fallon, Illinois a couple of years now. And I went off to Afghanistan. I had been there on a 179-day tour. I was there like day seven, day eight, and I get that phone call from home. And we had some bad stuff happen in our neighborhood. You know, to keep it high level, it was a physical altercation with one of my neighbors, an adult, and my son, who's 10 years old. That shook me to the core. I felt like as a father, I wasn't there. At that point, as a father, I hadn't took my role seriously. I kind of thought I just made the money. And women, or my wife, know how to raise the kids. So this was a wake-up call for me that I need to be more engaged with my family and take care of my kids. So I said, there I was, day seven or eight in Afghanistan. God, can you get me out of this one? You know, and I hit the knees hard. I had a great Polish priest there. We were going to Mass every day. I was praying. I said, well, when I get back, I'm in. 
I'm committed. And, uh, but if you can do anything now to get, make this better, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll take it. But weeks went by. The situation got a little bit better at home. You know, things always get better. Still kept up the prayer and everything like that. But then it was about a month after the incident. One of my friends there came and told me, hey, you must be the luckiest person on earth again. And I said, I sure don't feel like it, you know, and I just kind of blew it off. And he says, no, you don't know, do you? And he says, your 179-day tour has ended. Your replacement is right around the corner. It was just a little uh, administrative game where another country took over my slot. It was an international Mm -hmm. position. So, wow, that hit me hard. And it didn't surprise me because I'd felt that throughout my life, God delivering in those critical moments and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that got me home. It got me dedicated to my faith. That has been five years maybe now, five, six years. Since then, I've kind of grown steadily in my faith. I really hit it hard when I got back from that deployment, Mm -hmm. and things got worse. You know, times were tough, but I learned a lot about forgiveness, thankfulness for those hard times, forgiving my neighbor, because all the blessings that came out of it, my son and I have bonded through all this hardship. Our family is so much better. And I think just knowing our faith a little better has helped me kind of understand how those situations and those life events were just blessings, mm-hmm. you know, true blessings. So now I'm pretty involved in my parish. I'm actually, I've applied to be a deacon. Mm-hmm. Going through that process, started St. Paul Street Evangelization mm-hmm. chapter on the Illinois side, which Michael here has had, mm-hmm. been a great assistant with. And I just continue to look for more and more ways to dial up my faith and make myself uncomfortable. You know, that's why I tell people a lot. Get on the edges there to get yourself a little uncomfortable with your faith and keep growing. Mm-hmm. That is very rich. Thanks so much, Len. And like I mentioned at the beginning, 48 years old. I don't know if our listeners can pick that up, but there's a youthful spirit and that force, like you mentioned, that you have. And so it's it's awesome to see that that vibrant presence and youth and zeal for spreading the gospel. And you were in the military 24 years, is that right, Len? Yes, 24 20, years 24 total. Years. Okay, awesome. And you're currently, though, you're working at Worldwide Technology. What do you do at Worldwide Technology? Uh, at Worldwide Technology, I work as a process improvement analyst, which helping people make improvements. So I get to make a lot of contact with people hundreds of people often. So, and I feel like once again, God has kind of lined me up in a role as I'm hitting this kind of evangelization role, mm-hmm. gets me into a position to where I can have a lot of contact with people. Because awesome. I think you've said it, evangelization yeah. is a contact sport. That's right. You got to be yeah. up there contacting people. And this, yeah. this role has really helped me do that. Awesome. Awesome. And so I think that's a good segue kind of where you've been and where you are now into the blessings and challenges of your life. And I know you touched on a lot of things in your opening story, but if you could just maybe clarify and nail down a couple blessings in your life that you've experienced so far and a couple challenges that maybe have helped you grow. Sure. Just awareness is one thing uh, of those signs. And when I go to adoration, I reflect on those signs throughout my life because there's been like two dozen big ones. Kind of like I mentioned one or two, there's been two dozen big ones that are just obvious signs. So I think the blessing of awareness and seeing that and and hearing God communicate to us. And I think with the rich history of the Catholic Church, we have so many opportunities to communicate to each individual through saints, you know, through those great saints that have gone before us. St. Pope John Paul is a big one who kind of comes up. My son and I recently went to Poland and visited over there, and I just felt this kind of almost like a low uh, gravitational pull towards him because they got shrines of him everywhere, side chapels in the churches. And I was really praying to help with my faith, to dial it up, to stay consistent, to be a great evangelist, uh, to be a great Catholic, be a great father, to be a saint. And just felt like a little gravitational pull when I went to Vavil Castle 
and it was one of those uh, kind of awareness. And as I was reading his book on a train leaving Krakow, going to another town, it talked about in the book his first mass as a priest was in Volvo Castle in the crypt of St. Leonard. (laughs) And and, and just those things, I think God communicates to us, and it's just a reminder. That's what we're called to do. We're all called to do things like that. And if we open and communicate, I think we'll all get those little reminders. And just the forgiveness, too, has been one of the biggest blessings. Mm -hmm. Being able to forgive the hardships. Look at all the pain and suffering that the hard times have been as blessings and Mm -hmm. not being bitter about them. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then, on the other hand, the challenges that you've experienced, Len. Uh, Yeah, challenges. Family life, and that has (laughs) been me mainly, has been my challenge of family life. It's just, I think, I came into a marriage underestimating the sacredness of it, the importance of it, and the work of it. And uh, the same thing with fatherhood, too. I underestimated it. So I think in our marriage, I was kind of the one playing catch-up. I was Mm -hmm. behind all the time. That has been one of the biggest challenges. I'm trying to do better all the time, at being a better father, better husband, better example. Because I have a pretty good relationship with my kids. I don't think I've done any permanent damage to them, mm-hmm. you know. But <laughs> we, we we tease a lot and stuff like that. We have a great relationship, and I think they see how important the faith is both to my wife and I. So I think that's been a great challenge, uh, family life, but uh, one of the most I think most important, of course. Another challenge would be probably prayer life. Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the most challenging things I have is just keeping daily prayer going and keeping focused because my mind can float around a lot of times and you don't really know if if you're listening or if you're doing your will or if you're being open or you're just uh, talking. So I have a a rhythm for it, but uh, it's it's a challenge Mm -hmm. and I think something to work at. And those are a few of the challenges. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, transitioning into mission, vocation, and purpose in life. And I know that you've been many places, seen many people. Mm-hmm. How would you kind of capture your vocation, mission, purpose in this life in just a few short sentences? How would you describe your calling Ooh. in this life? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, a few short sentences. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> if you simplify it to be a saint, I think we're all called to do that and take it seriously. And our vocations of father and husband, whatever our vocation is, that's where it starts. And mm-hmm. uh, work for those people closest to you. And I think that's what I work towards. I'm also implying to be a deacon. So that kind of trifecta there of being a saint, mm-hmm. deacon, and family, I think mm-hmm. is my mission. Now, I can see that's the vision where to go. I don't know quite how to fill in mm-hmm. the, all the steps to get there. Sure. And But that's kind of the exciting part, yeah. you know, <laughs> to, right. to get to do that. Awesome. And yeah, you mentioned the St. Paul Street evangelization yes. work, which is another awesome vocation and witness that we provide. I love doing that. So it's been great to connect with you on that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you mentioned like that trifecta exactly. And mm-hmm. so just the call kind of within marriage and family life to also serve the church as a deacon to there and that universal call to holiness, sainthood that we're all called to. And you mentioned, I guess, when we spoke a little bit earlier, you have this desire to write books in the future, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I, I've kind of like, as a process improvement analyst, I would like to translate that uh, improvement, the processes we do kind of to apply to your faith life as well, how you have problems and how you can make solutions and how you keep that improvement going and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's a matter of almost seeing sin. Sometimes sin can be so common or mm-hmm. acceptable in our lives that we don't see it. But if we start to see it, we can start to make improvements. And I get the easiest tip I give people is we always see the sin in others. Kind of mm-hmm. use that when you do that, reflect it on yourself and start improving there. When we do improvements at work, we always start within how can I improve my processes? Mm-hmm. How can I improve me? Kind of that same, same model, applying sure. it to a book someday maybe. 
Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in this opening segment, how would you define evangelization for our listeners? I know a lot of people have different definitions that we've kind of gone over, and obviously there's a lot of common threads as well, but how would you explain evangelization? Keeping it simple. It does mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think it's a contact sport. As long as you're making contact with people and you're finding a way to insert you know, the faith, that's through Facebook posting, through Twitter, through an email, different ways like that. In my job, when I send out mass emails, which I do a lot, I always put a little quote in there from uh, G.K. Chesterton mm-hmm. or C.S. Lewis, and people will come in and ask me, that was a really bizarre quote <laughs> or something like that. But it starts a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, now, hey, oh, well, let me tell you about one of my favorite authors and my faith. You know, you can, it just opens a door. Little things like that can just open the door to evangelization so mm-hmm. well. Just going and talking about, we get the opportunity every Monday to evangelize. People ask you, hey, how was your weekend? Mm-hmm. Tell them about your mass experience. Right. Oh, we had this great experience where the, the homily was awesome. Like, can I tell you about the Eucharist? You know, everything, just all these, this hit me and kind of what I needed for the week. That's an awesome opportunity to evangelize every Monday, and, mm-hmm. but just be ready. You know, right. take that one word from the homily and put it into your Monday response. You know, kind of thing. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's our opening segment today with Len's faith journey and his story and his thoughts on evangelization and the blessings and challenges that he's encountered thus far in life. So our catechetical segment today will be on the sacrament of reconciliation in light of what Len spoke about due to the forgiveness that he's experienced in his own life. And we as sinners, as Catholics striving for sainthood, we fall short at various times. We struggle with sin, but like Len just mentioned, that awareness of sin is so important because then we can begin to root it out and to live new lives. And so we're going to talk about the sacrament of reconciliation today and its importance for our lives as Catholics. And so the sacrament of reconciliation is found scripturally in John 20, 22 through 23. And so this is the passage where Jesus comes back after his resurrection and visits the apostles and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit and gives them the power to forgive sins in his name. And so many passages that we have before us today from the Catechism, starting at paragraph 1486 and moving through about 1497 or so. So that's the kind of mark in the Catechism where we're going to hone in today for our catechesis. So the forgiveness of sins that are committed after baptism is conferred by a particular sacrament called the sacrament of conversion, confession, penance, or reconciliation. So the sacrament goes by many different names. And in paragraph 1487, the catechism tells us that we as sinners wound God's honor and love, and our own human dignity is wounded as well when we sin. And so we're all called to be sons and daughters of God. And so our sin affects the spiritual well-being of ourselves and the church, of which each of us ought to be a living stone. So to return to communion with God after having lost this grace or or this communion through our sin is a process that is given to us by the grace of God who is rich in mercy and very solicitous for our salvation. And so we must ask for this precious gift of forgiveness for ourselves and for others when we approach the sacrament of reconciliation. So we have to be convicted of our sin and know that God who is merciful will forgive us when we repent. Conversion and repentance, then, entail sorrow for and abhorrence of the sins that we have committed. And so the firm purpose of sinning no more in the future is also really intrinsic to this sacrament. And so in order to fully convert and repent, we must be sorrowful for our sins and hate the sins that we commit and also have a firm purpose of amending our lives and sinning no more in the future. So this sacrament of penance 
is a whole that consists of three actions in us who are known as the penitents. And so also the priest gives us absolution, but our acts of the sacrament, so that's a term that, again, these actions that we must encompass in this sacrament are repentance, confession or disclosure of our sins, and then the intention of making reparation and doing works of reparation for our sins. So again, those three, repentance, confession or disclosure of sins to the priest, and then finally, the intention to make reparation or do works of reparation. That's what we often are assigned in the sacrament called penance. Our repentance, which is also called contrition, must be inspired by motives that arise from true faith in our hearts. And so if repentance arises from love of charity for God, it is called perfect contrition. But if it's founded on other motives, it is called imperfect. And so our goal is to reach that level of perfect contrition, knowing that we are sorrowful for our sins because they offend God. And so out of a human love for God that we have, that's where our repentance comes from, knowing that our sins offend our Creator, our Maker, and our Redeemer the one who loves us infinitely. And so if we desire to obtain reconciliation with God and with the church, we must confess to a priest all the unconfessed grave or mortal sins that we remember after having carefully examined our consciences before the sacrament. And so the confession of venial sins is also very important, but is not necessary in itself. It was very strongly recommended by the church because like Len said, again, it helps us become aware of our sin and to make sure that those small sins do not become larger sins. And then finally, in paragraph 1494, the priest confessor proposes the performance of certain acts of satisfaction or reparation or penance that we as penitents perform in order to repair the harm that is caused in us by sin and to reestablish good habits in our lives that are befitting of disciples of Christ. And so only priests who have received the faculty of absolving sin from the authority of the church can forgive sins in the name of Christ. And then we'll just wrap up with some reflections on the spiritual effects of this sacrament of reconciliation. So what do we receive from this sacrament? Reconciliation with God, which we recover grace in that process as well. Secondly, we're reconciled to the church, which is a beautiful thing. Third, we receive remission of the eternal punishment that are incurred by our mortal sins. And then also we receive remission, at least in part, of the temporal punishments resulting from sin. We receive peace and serenity of conscience and spiritual consolation in the sacrament. And then finally, an increase of spiritual strength for the Christian battle. And so each time we confess our sins with contrite hearts and we do penance and we receive absolution, we understand that graces are being given to us and an increase in spiritual strength to avoid those sins in the future. So that's a beautiful, powerful sacrament that we must take advantage of in our lives as Catholics. It's just something that's given to us and made available more and more, thank God, in various parishes throughout our archdiocese where we can receive this healing and forgiveness so as to be more spiritually equipped to avoid sin in the future. And in paragraph 1497, the catechism reads, Individual and integral confession of grave sins followed by absolution remains the only ordinary means of reconciliation with God and with the church. And so we're not going to talk about it much today about this debate about the necessity of the sacrament of reconciliation, but this is the ordinary means by which Christ has established that we receive reconciliation to God and to the church. And so the confession of sins in this sacrament is the ordinary way. And so we would say the ordinary way of baptism as well and salvation is through 
through water and the Holy Spirit. And so people say, people wonder if we will ever be saved without the sacrament of baptism. But again, we should think this is the way that Christ has established for us to receive this forgiveness, to receive this mercy. And in baptism, similarly, how we're reborn to eternal life through the waters of baptism. So it's the ordinary way that God has given us and established and laid down through the apostles to us that we have available for us today. Thank God. And so it's a beautiful sacrament that we have at our disposal today. And so I just invite all of our listeners to, if you haven't been to the sacrament of confession in a while, to think about going back soon to take advantage of the sacrament and to receive that healing and mercy and reconciliation with the church, with God, that can really help us to become people that are holy and striving for sainthood and helping us on the journey to that goal. And I'll just wrap up the segment with a quote that Pope Francis said in a Wednesday audience back in February of 2014. Our Holy Father wrote, Everyone should say to himself, When was the last time I went to confession? And if it has been a long time, don't lose another day. Go. The priest will be good, and Jesus will be there. And Jesus is better than the priests. Jesus receives you. He will receive you with so much love. Be courageous and go to confession. Every time we go to confession, God embraces us. So let that be your sign, like Len talked about. Let that be the sign that the Lord is inviting you back um, to the sacrament and to receive the healing, mercy, and forgiveness that we all need. Okay, so that's our catechesis for today, and we're just going to close with Len's final thoughts, some practical tips, Len, that you would recommend to our listeners on how to be a better evangelist today. All right. Thank you, Michael. One shameless bit of advertising, if you want to contact, go to the St. Paul Street Evangelization website, go to O'Fallon, Illinois, you can contact me there if you want to go out and do some street evangelization. That is always an opportunity. But the other thing for some practical tips, just keep it simple. Start with your family. Start with there. And uh, you get the, uh, almost the message, you get the power to deliver the message through the homily. One practical tip I do is take a notebook. If God's speaking to you, you want to bring a notebook. As Matthew Kelly says, bring a notebook, write it down, and then try to insert that when you're reflecting on your week, your week ahead, try to put that homily somewhere in a meeting, somewhere in a day to where you can kind of fit it in. And it's just a great way to proclaim the, the gospel into your week then, which is what we're really called to do. And that's just some really easy tips, I think, to to keep it simple. You don't have to hit the street. That's not for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. or, or go out there and on the radio or on TV. Keep it simple. Uh, the people closest to you. One person I talked to are very interested in going on missionary work, but uh, he was talking about a story where he went on a mission, and he came back and told all of his friends, and they said, I didn't know you were a faithful person. I, yeah. Why didn't, How come you never asked me about it? Sometimes it's just asking the people right next to us. So think about our neighbors and the people closest to us. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. And I loved what you mentioned earlier in the opening segment just about when people ask how your weekend was. That's a great way to evangelize by mm-hmm. just talking about your Mass experience the previous mm-hmm. weekend, whether it's the homily or just an experience or an encounter that you had with the Lord during that Mass experience that that you experienced the previous Sunday. So that's beautiful. And yeah, just another plug for St. Paul Street Evangelization. We're happy to add more people to the team. So let us know if you're interested. But yeah, just want to remind our listeners that can find us at the Archdiocese of St. Louis on the SoundCloud accounts or any other podcast apps. Just search for Word of Mouth Podcasts underneath the Archdiocese of St. Louis and just subscribe to us and rate us and share us with all your friends. Just trying to build the listenership even more and more. It's 
kind of grown slowly, but we've been at it about a year and a half now. And I am blessed again to have another tremendous guest. And I'm going to try to pronounce the name, Len, and let let me know if this is Len Ratajic. Very good. That's right. Very good. Len Ratajic. Sound a little Polish accent. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So um, it's been a blessing to have you with us, Len. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just another episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being with us, Len. Any final thoughts? No, no. Just thank you for this opportunity. And just start small. Get out there and make the contact with somebody and proclaim that message. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks so much, Len, and have a great day to all our listeners, and may God continue to bless you. Thanks.